We got Tice Thompson, baby. Tice, Tice, baby. Welcome to The Red Line, presented by Isles Fix, your only daily New York Islanders newsletter. Subscribe at islesfix.substack.com. I'm David Tuckman. Phil Farber, alongside me in the metaphorical sense, as he is up in Toronto. I am in Southern California. Two New York Islander fans lost. Phil, help me, please. You know, I shut it off with like 15 minutes to go. They didn't win last night? Weird, right? <laughs> you know, I was looking at, I was watching the game, like, you know what? They're up 4 2. They're four checking pretty hard to start this third period. I could turn the TV off. This, there's no way this one goes off the rails. No way. No way. No way Scott Mayfield makes a pass to no one in particular. To nobody in particular. The and then, and then, and then just forgets about, hey, let's forget about one of the most dangerous players in the entire world that's like just sitting in the back door, right? Let's just forget about him, too. That was such a sick shot. I mean, that puck is bouncing, and he just one times it right past Sorokin. It's, that's just I understand that's a disgusting play from a disgusting player. But it yeah, is, you can't, you can't but, leave him wide open, right? Don't I leave mean, him wide open. How many players are we gonna? Okay, how many players are going to focus on the devil that's in the corner? The devil who can't. The only devil on the ice who can't score. Right. I mean, it's it, it just basic. Uh, by the way, full disclosure: uh, Phil uh, Phil's help was not around, so his two year old is there. So if you hear any goo goo gaga in the background, uh, that is our new coach of the New York Islanders, Lane Lambert, has been fired, and uh, yes, Phil's two year old is taking over. So embrace, uh, embrace. That's that's. I, can't I, possibly I, be worse. Can't possibly be worse than this. I mean, did you have a chance to read Steph's article today? I did not know, unfortunately. Good well, piece. I mean, the, the Islanders are now first in the league when it comes to time spent trailing. No one has trailed less than the Islanders. That is normally, like I said, from a gambler's perspective, and if you missed last week's podcast, we talked about this. From a gambler's perspective, the two things that I know gamblers look at, I, I am one of them. Uh, one is goal differential, which the Islanders are not great at, but the other one is amount of time trailing, amount of time leading. Uh, if you don't trail games very much, uh, that is usually a pretty good indicator of how you will be doing. And if you're not there yet, it's an indicator of what will happen in the future. Uh, based on that, you would think the Islanders would be doing a lot better than they are doing. Well, there- when you're losing a lot of overtime games and a lot of these overtime games, you know, are in games where they haven't trailed at all. Right. Think about Vancouver. Right. They they either led or were tied throughout that entire game. It's only in overtime. And that doesn't count as time trailing because it's just the game's over when the game's over in sudden death. So. It's just been frustrating to watch a team that on seven occasions has squandered multi-goal leads and has cost them a cumulative five points in the four times that they haven't been able to secure a victory in those games. Happy Thanksgiving, by the way. Thank you. Thank you very much. I mean, again, we don't <laughs> we didn't celebrate it up here. And it's it's no time for celebration right now when the Islanders are playing like a bunch of assholes. But wow, whoa, okay, <laughs> I, I, there you go, Phil Farber, not pulling any punches right now. Phil Farber, of course, you can follow him on Twitter at Phil's Facts. I am at Tuck on Sports, and of course, uh, we are uh, we are here courtesy of Isles Fix and uh, and of you, of course. Thank you so much for joining us and supporting us. So a lot to digest, but let's do it as quickly as we possibly can. We come back from Thanksgiving, and uh, we have a good win. But we lose a couple of players in the process, and we lose Sebastian Ajo. It looks like a shoulder. 
uh, whether it's a two-week injury, whether it's a three-week injury, we don't know exactly, but it looks like he's going to be out for a little bit. A little bit. Uh, Pellick, it looks like it's a wrist, the way he was holding it. Obviously, they'll never tell us, but it certainly appears that it's something along those lines. Uh, my guess is it's broken, and my guess this is a, you know, this is a multi-week uh, injury. Something that you and I have been clamoring for for a couple of years. Lou finally has no choice, and he goes ahead and claims uh, Mike Riley. So we, we bring in a veteran left defenseman. I, I was talking to a couple people on Twitter about this and before last night's game, and I said, you know, this could be, if the Islanders can stay afloat over the next few weeks, I said this could be kind of a silver lining in a weird way to me. I go, if Mike Riley can be even 75% of the player he was, say, two, three years ago, we just found a third left defenseman, somebody you could theoretically replace Aho, even when everybody's healthy. And then in my my thought process was, okay, and Riley, by the way, can skate. And we saw that last night even, but we'll get to that in a second. So I thought, okay, well, wow, this could actually really improve the team. I mean, obviously, it's not the way you want to go about doing it, but hey, could this work where – Riley becomes our third pairing left defenseman when everybody's healthy. Sebastian Ajo becomes our seventh D. That's where he's probably best suited anyway. To me, he's just an ideal seventh defenseman. He's a veteran. He's got some, he can move the puck. Um, he's not great, but he's certainly not awful in a game here and there. And he can also play the left side and the right side. So there's a lot of, a lot of pluses, and he doesn't make much money. So I always thought Sebastian Ajo would be a kind of a perfect seventh defenseman if Mike Riley become the, the, the third the third pairing left defenseman. This could be uh, kind of a glass half full moment for us. Um, that was the eternal optimist in me thinking. Uh, I watched Mike Riley play last night, and I saw a lot of good, and I saw some bad. You know, the turnover which led to the first goal was bad. Um, still, it was a turnover that was 170 feet from our net. And you'd like to think that we should be able to cover for that. But it's a turnover that, you know, you get over the red line. I don't, I don't know what he's doing. He skates with the puck, which is beautiful. But once you get over the red line, just get it low, especially when you know our team is, is going to change. Right? You've got to get that puck low. And, and that's a, a, a mistake that a veteran defenseman can't make. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's, that's just everything that could possibly have gone wrong in that sequence went wrong, right? I mean, it started out with Riley making a good defensive play. Great defensive uh, play, by the way. Great okay. defensive play. And then he transitions the puck up ice. He's clearly a superior skater to anyone on our blue line. And we already knew that. From no, him, I mean, having watched him in Boston. Great skater. I mean, he's wearing, listen, he's friends with Nick Letty. He's wearing Nick Letty's number. And on that particular play for a little, I'm not, listen, he's not, he's not, he doesn't skate like Letty. I mean, Letty's one of the best skaters, fastest skaters in the league. Um, but he looked Letty-like, or should I say Letty Light-like. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's. It was unfortunate because on his first shift, great shift, right? He activated in the zone, pinched, set up Gautier for a really nice, uh, you know, a nice play. Gautier couldn't bury the chance. Fine. And then on his second sequence out there was this one. And, and Palmieri's going for a change and doesn't think to look over. And I don't think anyone even came on the ice for Palmieri. Maybe Palmieri already thought that someone had come on and he had to run off. I don't know what was going on there, but that was a bad miscommunication. And then Dobson just... I don't know what he was doing on the two-on-one. Gautier had already gotten back to take care of the pass. Dobson just let the shooter kind of walk in, and then Sorokin can't make the save, and then all of a sudden it's in the back of your net. But there were, like you said, there were some positives. I thought he moved the puck well on the power play, right? With four minutes and change left on the second power play unit, he set Lee up for a layup that Lee just couldn't bury, and and those are the types of chances that, you know, the the 30- and 31-year-old Anders Lee made a living off of. 
Uh, he had three shots on goal and only 10 minutes of ice, including a 94 mile per hour slap shot from the top. So there was a lot of good there. The turnover was very unfortunate, but I think that as he gets more comfortable and better Let's... acclimated to this team, I think that I think we have a player here for sure. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, maybe maybe I'm just the eternal optimist, or but I am cautiously optimistic that this is an improvement over what we saw in Aho, and I, I I mean the guys played twelve games over two seasons, going to get some time over the next you know. Over the next couple of weeks, he's going to get some time. Although you never know. I mean, our friggin' coach could just our coach could bench him next game for Bolduc. I mean, who? I, the, I, I don't, don't think he. I don't think he will. But it, again, I, wouldn't shock me at this I, point. Again, and and by the way, it comes another thing that I just want to point out in terms of like the time of ice distribution. I just didn't see a reason as to why he had to. He felt the need to shelter Riley and Hutton to the point that he did. Like only seven minutes and change of of, of ice time for those two guys at five on five. It just you know, you're going to continuously burn out the top four like this. And he did it last exhaustion year. Exhaustion is probably a good part of what leads to these blown coverages. Of late course. In game. It, shocking. Shocking. Our team is tired in the third period. I wonder why. I wonder, I wonder why our team is not holding leads and, and, and our defense is just absolutely running around. Uh, and frankly, Hutton, and you alluded to this before, Hutton and Riley – we're not close to our worst defenseman last last night. No. What was, was Scott much, Mayfield? It was everyone. Doing? It was everyone. Oh, Scott Mayfield. I, I mean, that seven that seven year contract is is off to as bad a start as you could possibly have imagined, right? From I mean, the getting only injured in game one to yeah. some of the most boneheaded penalties and mistakes that we've been seeing. I've I maintained mean, firmly this... in control of this game until yeah. Scott Mayfield made that turnover. No, listen. I mean, uh, Andy talks about this sometimes, and he says, "Listen, you know." You take regular season Mayfield because in the playoffs the guy always shows up, and it's cheap enough with the cap going up, and right defensemen are at such a premium that I get it. You know, did we give him two more years than we want? Absolutely. You know, just there's there's nothing else out there. So to find the right defenseman that can kill penalties and eat minutes, I understand why we did it. But some of the plays that he makes are just like, what are you doing? And the miscommunications. Last night, I mean, I know that Pollock and, and um, uh, Romanov don't play together all the time. But remember the play? Do you see the, the play where they no, both No, Pollock and Romanov have been a pair for almost the entire season. Okay, then, then explain to me then why why are they both covering the passer and the guy right in front of the net is wide open? That was... Remember a, the play I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I mean, that was Romanov. That's that's clearly Pollock. What are we hand. doing? Romanov, yeah. Clear, clearly, that, that was... 100% on Romanov. Romanov's the lefty man. He should be peeling off and covering the guy on the other side of the ice. I, I mean, who's going to score goals here? I just don't understand it. Another thing that drives me nuts, and I don't understand, I don't know if it's a Lambert system. I don't know if it's a lack of discipline from the team. I, I don't know if we need to bring in Corey Perry uh, and, and maybe wake up the players on our team a little bit. Okay, I kid, I just. You, you went there. You had to go there. I you had to go not there. Go there. Of course, right? I had to go there. No, listen, I don't know what's going on, but okay. In all fairness and in all seriousness, there is a very basic system that a lot of teams do in the neutral zone, and Trotz was great at it. And I have to imagine Lane is still trying to do the same system, which is basically wings, you forecheck, and then you peel off on the wing on the boards. And you can watch a lot of teams do this. They peel off on the wings, and they cover the side. And I don't know if anybody noticed this last night, but Jack Hughes, he would he would go into the defensive zone, they would regroup, he would, you know, get it back to his defenseman, and then he would peel off into the corner. 
And, and he would have, you know, just he'd be going 21 miles an hour, full speed down the left side of the ice, and he would get a pass, and he was wide open. And if we don't slow down fast players in the neutral zone, we are just not giving our defense a chance. And I'm just, I'm like, where is our defense in the neutral zone? We can it's talk about defense. it. In the, it's, it's also the forwards. I mean, the gap. No, that's, I'm talking about the forwards. the forwards. I'm specifically yeah. talking about the forwards. Normally, <laughs> like if you watch, if you watch old tape of the Islanders, um, or if you watch good teams play defense, wings lock down the wings along the boards. Um, you know, this is obviously an audio podcast, so I can't show it. Maybe we can we can accompany this with a pod, with a video. But you'll see wingers they they peel off and they take the wings out. And you lock those players down. So it's not a neutral zone trap like, you know, the New Jersey Devils did way back when. But it is just a system where you don't allow the fast opponents to just skate through the neutral zone, you know, with no obstruction whatsoever and get a pass in full stride and then enter the defensive zone at full stride. You can't allow that, especially when those opponents are, are, you know, Jesper Bratz. And, you know, Kale McCars and Nathan McKinnons and and last night, obviously, and Jack Hughes, who's just obviously one of the best in the game. You get you have to slow him down to the neutral zone. It's it's what teams it's what when when Barzal is not going well, it's what the opposition is doing to him. It is what Jordan Stahl does to Barzal in the playoffs. You slow him down in the neutral zone. Because if he's got a full head of steam to the neutral zone, you're not going to stop him once he gets in the defensive zone. That's just not going to happen. Anyway, um, I, there's just a lack of defensive structure um, that starts in the defense in the neutral zone and then continues into our defensive zone. Sounds like a job for Dean Evison. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I, I, it's just it's really really frustrating. So let's okay, so let's go through. So we beat we beat Ottawa, but we lose a couple of players. We come back. Gutsy effort. Gutsy win. A good win. It was. It was almost really. Got, almost got out of hand. They were up 4-1. They gave up two very quick goals. But a gutsy win when you only have four D-men for almost the entire game and were able to not blow a third period lead. So good I, win against the team that was coming in, I think, on a three-game win streak. Yeah. I mean, this honestly, last night pissed me off because I actually felt really good. I said, wow. I go, what a gutsy win versus Ottawa. And by the way, that's a huge win. Because you're talking about you're talking about preventing a team that you are literally competing with for the one of the last playoff spots. You get two points, they get nothing. That is brilliant. Great job. Then the next night they play they play the Flyers. I actually, to be honest with you, I thought this was a scheduled loss. Same. The way the way we had, I mean, I mean, our entire defense had played 27, 28. Dobson played 31 minutes. I was like, okay, this is a scheduled loss. You know. We got Bold. I mean, Riley wasn't going to be there in time. We had Boldick and Hutton in the lineup. Our team's exhausted, and Sorokin stands on his head. Unfortunately, uh, we we just cannot. We can't score in a shootout at all. Well, I mean, we we have Horvat and Wallstrom each had two going into the game. It's just they weren't able to bury the ones. Yeah, you know that they had in this game, and no one else helped out. But <laughs> how yeah. how many times is Lane going to go to Barzal in the, in the shootout? I don't know. I don't think he, he scored one shootout last year in, in the first shootout they had. Um, he's just like, what, 20%? If he even, I don't even know. If he he's is. He's like 23%. Anymore. 23%. Yeah. I, again, I, I guess it's for lack of options. Brock Nelson hasn't been particularly good at them lately. Simon was pretty good. Them. Holmstrom was pretty good in, in, in Bridgeport, though. He, yeah, he hasn't had one in the NHL yet. He tries that move where he pulls it from his yeah. back and his forehand goes around. And, and the goalie is He's had the like NHL four chances. pulled by that. Yeah, 
I think he's at three or four. Yeah, hasn't hasn't buried one yet, but you think he's due for one, right? I I mean, Palmieri and Palmieri and Barzal are probably to me two of the worst options we have on shootouts. No, Palmieri going into the season was was three for five with the Islanders. Was he? Yeah. Okay. Well, then maybe he I, had a game winner last year. Against I mean, Washington. listen, like you said, we don't really we don't have a TJ Oshie. We don't have somebody like that, unfortunately. Um, it, it, it it's frustrating. But listen, I was still encouraged. I go okay. We went with four defensemen, and then the next night we basically went with four defensemen again on a back-to-back against a good Flyers team that you knew was – like I was like, this is going to be a tough game because they're going to come – that we just beat them. And we got a point. I'm like, okay, this is great. Listen, Tor- Tortorella even spoke about that. He said they were four-checking our balls off because he pointed out to them, listen, they've got four guys who played a half hour the night before. Let's get after them. And, and they did. So we spoke about it before the break that if we could pull three out of those four points, not even knowing the circumstances in which they would be coming into that Flyers game, missing two defensemen and having played the night before to the point of exhaustion. So I, I was not as annoyed about that as some others in our fan base were. I was thrilled. Yeah. I was the opposite of annoyed. I was like, wow, well, you're I telling me we just got that made me slightly annoyed is just Horvat and Holmstrom in overtime each had the, the, the game winning goal on their stick. That's going to happen, though. And just weren't able to bury it. Right, that's going to happen, though. Listen, you know, the variance happens sometimes. Sometimes you get the chances and they bury. Sometimes you're gonna, you'll have seven of those and you're going to bury six of them and then you'll have seven of them and you won't, you won't bury any at all. You know what I mean? And, and it can be incredibly frustrating, and I get it. Um, you know, especially for a fan base who's like, just put the puck in the net. It's just not as easy as that. You know, scoring a goal is, is somewhat random. Uh, I, yes, was it frustrating, but I was thrilled. And then last night I'm watching the game and I'm thinking, okay, wow. We just got two from Ottawa. We get three out of four against the Flyers, and now we're going to get two against the Devils. This is amazing. Barzal looked fantastic, back-checking his balls off. Fantastic. Um, he was back-checking. He was everywhere. The pass to Pajot was amazing. We get Pajot on the board eventually, finally. Horvat with a beautiful one-time on the power play. The power play is actually moving a little Julian bit. Gautier picks up his first point. Gautier looked great on the fourth line. I'm thinking, okay, wow. Um, what does this guy got to do to stay in the lineup? He was playing great. The team looked fantastic, uh, and then 4-2, and we just decided, hey, oh, third period. Let's let's do the third period thing. Let's, let's do, do our, our third period thing. Let's do our third period thing. Oh, Phil. You know, it really started in the playoffs, I think. I think that they haven't been able to shake it, right? These The third period blown losses to Carolina, I just thought, I think mentally that's scarred them to a certain degree, and they just don't have – confidence in themselves that they're able to close it out i don't want to overreact to the looks on the bench from lane because he looks dead he just looks like what i would he looks lost looks like yeah he looks like he's like uh what is happening i don't know what's going on i don't know what to do like he's just like i mean it's not even just a matter of like he just says the same thing well we gotta be more disciplined we gotta stay out of the box um I, i mean have an idea. Maybe listen, have the wrong idea. <laughs> be wrong, but have a plan. At least yeah, have an idea of like, like no okay, plan. we're losing third periods. We're getting destroyed in the third period. We are con- consistently up in these games, but we are blowing leads. Okay, what do I need to fix this? I got to figure something out, right? I've got to do something. I don't know what it is, but I've got to do something. And he just seems to have the man with no plan. Um, yeah, I mean, at, at what point is it enough? At what point for Lou is it one multi-goal blown lead too many? 
Well, let me, I mean, that's the question I ask you. And, and we're not going to be on very long today because, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm, as a fan, I'm, I'm, I'm angry. I'm angry now. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I'd rather just suck. Listen, they, and the, they have a, this is a good a roster. Very, this is a really good roster. Oh. It is a good roster. Right? I mean, people, you know. People will say it's not, but it really that, like, is a good is, roster. It's not an issue of old and slow, right? These guys are not that old. They're not that the slow part, anymore. The guys, who eat the, the guys who eat the biggest minutes are, are the young guys. Um, they're getting out to good starts. They're leading for most of these games. They're rarely trailing. The power play is eighth in the league. If I were to tell you, Phil, coming out of last year, if I were to tell you, okay, hey, uh, we were a over 100 points. Going into the season, we knew we this team was clipping at over 100 point pace without Barzal, but with Horvat and Engvall since the trade. Our power play was terrible. If I were to tell you that our power play would be, you know, around 10th in the league, if I were to tell you that Dobson would be playing the best hockey of his entire career. And any and better than we'd ever imagine. If I told you that Romanov would be better, we'd play you playing lights out, okay, most of the time. If I told you that for the most part, our forwards were healthy, you'd probably be thinking, "Hey, we're doing pretty well, right?" Yeah, I'd be like, "Yeah, we're in second place," which, which is <laughs> where we should be, <laughs> right? I mean, it's the difference between us and second place right now is just a matter of like what two, three wins. That's, that's pretty much it, right? It's still so tight where you have uh, you have the window of opportunity to very easily turn this thing around. That game last night felt like the game two years ago against Nashville when the Islanders were finally starting to get back on the road to recovery from that terrible 11-game losing streak. Obviously, this was nowhere nearly as bad as that season. And they had won a couple games. I don't even know if it was a couple games. Maybe it was like a couple of overtime losses and then a win. And then they have a 3-2 lead against Nashville at home. Nashville ties it up, and then the last 10 seconds, Dobson gives away a puck. It's in the back of the net with under 10 seconds left, and they lose in regulation. Wow, yeah, that was that, was, that was that was the death. That was the that was it. You could see it in the postgame. Pelic was talking, looked defeated. Barry sounded defeated. You knew the season ended that night. And that, was, that was one combat. of the worst losses. That was probably one of the worst losses of the entire Trotz era. Yeah. Now, they were much farther out of it. They were like 12 points out of a playoff spot or whatever, and it was coming off of just like a ridiculous losing streak prior to that, and they still weren't fully healthy yet. I think Nelson was still out at that point. They had Austin Zarnick in the lineup. So this has the feeling of if we don't make some sort of drastic change and drastic shakeup, this loss from last night could be that national game. Okay. I, I, I do want to put a bow on this and, and move on. Uh, we got Carolina, we got Florida this week. Uh, we all thought, or at least and you thought, you, you were on the record saying that you thought by Monday Lane was going to be out coming off that West Coast trip. Didn't happen. Lane's still there. Six-game six game point streak. Um, really one of the most unimpressive six-game point streaks you'll ever see. And then followed The vote up. of confidence from the GM also. When? You, today? I mean, no, uh, when, when they had the whole presser about Pellick being out and they picked right, up Mike right, Wiley. Right, right. He likes the way he handled himself. They battled adversity. They're coming out of it. So, okay, again, but- it could be just Lou paying lip service because he had to give an update on the injuries and the acquisition and, and maybe. Asked, what, what is he going to say? They asked him a question. What's he going to say? And he gave an answer. Yeah, yeah what, what's he going to say? I have no confidence in the coach. That's why he's still there. Right. Uh, I, but what, what are we thinking here? What's going to happen? What's um, – I mean, this is – it's not even like I, – I, I do think that sometimes people – 
sometimes we pay we give we pay too much attention to like one goal leads or being up early in a game. A one goal lead in the NHL is just not that big a deal, but this team is losing losing games when we have two goal leads. And in not the just third period. Not just once, but like over and over and over and over again and again and again. Um, and what what is the next shoe to drop? I mean, what's is, is this just going to continue happening? Or at some I'll point, I'll tell you. I mean, listen, they have they have two tough games here: Air Carolina at Florida, two playoff teams. If they lose in both, I I really can't see how Lane is coaching the team on December third when they come back home to play the Sharks. I just can't see it. I, I really can't. You'll have eight wins in twenty three games for a team that has done so many good things. He keeps talking about the good things. I mean, people are, are – one thing I'll defend with Lane is people are shitting all over him being like, he keeps saying they're doing good things. They objectively are doing good things during these games. It's not like they're just completely coasting and mailing them in and getting off to sloppy starts. It's just they are doing everything within their power to make sure they they don't win and don't win in regulation. It's, I, I, it's astonishing. It's astonishing how they could play through the first 40 – and then not continue it on for the last 20 minutes. I mean, they're, when the, these guys were, that was their, what they were known for. They were known for their third periods. You didn't want to get behind the Islanders. You don't want to have to chase goals against Ilya Sorokin. And right now teams are doing it way too easily and way too frequently. But you know what? We got Tice Thompson, baby. <laughs> Tice, Tice, baby. Tice, Tice. We got the, we got the next stage. We have the next stage. He's he's seven inches shorter. Um, he's seven inches shorter and uh, probably not as good a player. But hey, we yeah, we have another Thompson. Um, sure. Hey, listen, he's gonna he is gonna right the wrong from uh, from many years ago when we did not draft Tage. Uh, I, I like it. Uh, okay. Well, I mean that that's really the thing. I mean it's not just it's not just uh, you know a mark of uh, of a trotch team. It's just a series going. Uh, the way this team is built. With goaltending, we score four goals a game. We score three goals a game. That should be a lot of wins. And the thing that's worrying me is to come out and say, "Hey, we're doing a lot right. We're a lot. We're doing a lot right. We're, a lot of things are going actually really well." And I agree. But if you're not getting wins out of that, at some point, what's the answer? Because at some point, either Lou has to look at the roster and go, this roster is flawed. I'm not giving my coach what he needs to win. Okay. Or I don't have the coach that's putting the players in position to succeed. One of the Something's got to give, right? Because as you pointed out, eight wins in 23 games is not going to cut it. Okay. Well, right now it's eight and 21, but it could very easily be right. eight and 23. But eight and 21 is not going to cut it, right? This team no. is playing at about a, call it an 87-point pace, which is not going to make the playoffs even in the mediocre East. Right. Um, so you look at it and go, okay, so something's got to give and you go, okay, well, Lou has got to, at some point, Lou has got to own this, right? Yeah. You can only, you can only blame the chef and the general manager so many times. Uh, it's, if you're bringing in the food and they're not cooking it the right way, at some point, somebody's got to look at it and go, okay, well, who who is running the ship? Um, and I have been Team Lou for a while, and I think he does a lot of things well. But I think that he's he's got to do something here. Yeah, um, absolutely. 
Hey, I you will can't fire all the players, but you can definitely fire the coach. I will I ask mean, you. Let me ask you this we'll, really quick. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Um, silver lining, glass half full. Thought for me. Uh, assuming we get a new coach eventually, and all those great things happen, let's say Riley actually turns out to be pretty good. Listen, he's not Bobby Orr, as Butch Goring pointed out last night. Um, you know, he's not even a top four pairing. You know, he's not even a top four pairing defenseman anymore. But he could be a legit bottom pair left defenseman. Okay. And we can slide Sebastian Ajo to the seventh spot, so it gives us a little more depth there. Do we still want to upgrade defense, or do we use our assets to then upgrade offense? Because my always thought was, hey, we only have so many assets. You know, Lou only has so many bullets in the holster, right? In, in, and it's a matter of, okay, well, what do, we, what do we go out and get? Like last year, we went out and got Bo Horvat, right? And Engvall yeah. was actually the next thing. You can't just, like, you know, if we go out and get Noah Hannafin, that's it. We're not going to get somebody else. So the question is, if Riley is good enough for that third pairing and it can slide Sebastian Howard to the seventh spot, do we then use our assets to go get a top six, a top six Defin- forward? Definitely a forward. Definitely a forward, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and listen, I don't want to put the, the, the cart before the horse or the horse before the cart, whatever the expression is, but... I think as we get closer to understanding which teams are going to be in it and which teams are going to be out of it by the trade deadline, because it's it's so close in both conferences. There's so much mediocrity yeah. that the gap between like four and 12 in the conferences right now is just so, so narrow. It's not like it was two years ago where by Thanksgiving you had, you know, the eight yeah. seed about 10 points clear of the nine seed. It, it's, it's really very wide open right now for a lot of teams. So I think as we get closer to January, we'll have a better idea as to what the trade targets realistically look like. Calgary has already clawed their way back into a playoff spot. I was going to say, right, Calgary's no longer so, – they're not moving Hannafin. Yeah. They're not moving Tanev. Zadorov maybe because he asked for a trade, but I, yeah. I don't. I just don't know if Zadorov is all that better than Riley. Yeah, I'm not sure either. I know he's, he's bigger. He's bigger. He's more physical. He's a, he's a penalty killer, which would, which would help in that regard. But it was only two years ago – that Riley was playing top four minutes on a really good Boston team. So I, you know, to rule out him being able to be a very high-end bottom pair left-hander who will, will, you know, could solve some issues. You, you could see the issues that he's trying to solve yesterday, right? And, you know, maybe trying to be a little bit too courageous with the puck there, and that's something that you're probably not going to see him doing again, you know, going on his uh, backhand and trying to flip it in through traffic. Um, but but he does bring assets that this team has needed uh, over the past couple seasons in terms of just puck transition and a legitimate option quarterbacking the second power play, and um, I'm excited to see how that plays out. You are listening to the red line. It's a depressing red line, but it is a red line. Presented by Isles Fix, your only daily New York Islanders newsletter. Subscribe at islesfix.substack.com. Of course, that's Phil Farber at Phil's Facts on Twitter. I am Tuck on Sports on Twitter as well, David Tuckman. I want to thank all of you for being here. Phil, uh, despite Casey Suzekis telling the fans to go home, what should the fans do? I mean, what do we do right now? Is there anything I, – I mean, I'll tell you something. If the Islanders don't win a couple of these games or if there's another blown lead, December 3rd versus the Sharks is not going to be pleasant, pleasant for, uh, for, for Lane. Nope. People might take Casey's advice and just stay home. They might just stay home. They might just stay home. Anyway, uh, unless you have something else to say, I, I have nothing else to add. I am. I got uh, nothing else, Dave. I am a disappointed. And listen, by the way, I will say, Phil, 
You and I were on, on board with this. We were talking about the things that the Islanders needed to do in the offseason to make this team better. Um, and we've seen a lot of that. But one of our biggest fears, and we both thought it, was will the coaching get better? Will Lane yeah. improve from year one to year two? And I, I was hopeful, but I was nervous. And um, those nerves have uh, played out. Agreed. Anyway, that's going to do it for us, guys. We will see you next week. If you have any questions for us, send us a tweet. Use the hashtag, the red line, and we will get to them as best we can. For Phil Farber, I'm David Tuckman. Later, guys.